You are listening to Takedowns to Breakdowns. Oh yeah. All right. How, so, you, feel, how you feeling? Well, I feel better now <laughs> than I did like <laughs> hour and a half ago. Forty minutes ago. 40. <laughs> after after you showed me your gimp room. <laughs> um. So explain everybody who's listening so they understand where you're coming from. Okay, so let's start from the beginning, right? I'm I'm pretty much starting like a, a life changing journey here, uh, trying to lose some weight, get in better shape, and uh, this is week two um, with Matt and I training. He's showing me, you know, a bunch of really cool and interesting exercises I never even thought existed and i'm working out parts of my body i never knew existed like muscle wise um you know just in and lately we've been working on flexibility for yeah, sure getting that yeah. heart rate up so that, that's the thing like i always believe that especially people who aren't in, in who haven't been active in a in a stressful situation in quite some time as i've gotten older i think the i used to always think strength was the main factor in working out right mm-hmm. pick the heaviest thing up put it down Oh, you're strong. You have the biggest muscles. You win. The thing that I've come to learn is that your heart rate, your cardio ability, your cardiovascular ability, in my opinion, is like the number one thing to to work on. I think that's the thing that transcends your age. I think it's the one thing that's such an ace in the pocket. Right. Um, I mean, we could you could quote countless times in, in, in MMA where we've seen it where cardio has ruined a fighter. Absolutely. You saw it like with Francis Naganu. He got beaten by Stipe because he had bad cardio. And yep. now he's we can review how badly he did against Derek Lewis because he was so gun shy because he got wrecked so bad. But like that feeling, and again, if you've ever done anything in martial arts, you know that feeling when it's like either you're in a belt test and you have nothing you feel like your body's just on noodles and you're shaking because you have no energy left because you've hit the empty tank, the empty part of your gas tank, or when you're just you're just doing any kind of drill with somebody and you could feel the energy leaving you and you're just getting sapped out and you can't your body stops moving and then you're yeah just, you're just vulnerable like cardio is the number one thing right so but like i told you i can't throw you to the wolf so like cool we're gonna do some high intensity intervals with jump rope battle ropes so we're gonna be doing like plyo burpees like, that's not a good way to start yeah no you've been very forgiving so far <laughs> and but the thing is and i even said this last week with our our first session like I definitely learned a lot about myself, especially when it came to the cardio, because I know for a fact that I was taking breaks nonstop. I mean, I must have taken like the first a, a time dozen breaks. Yeah. Yeah. The first time. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, week two, you know, I was like, oh, great. You know, I know I've been doing some stretching here and there at the house, you know, but here we go. Here's the second session. You know, God, I hope I make it through. And I, I don't think I, I went beyond what, maybe like five, six breaks. No, you were good. You were good. And that, maybe the, not even that. I don't. I don't know. Maybe. Right. Right. Um. And but that's the other thing, right? Is the uh, is this is the flexibility? That's the other yes. thing that I never thought was important until I realized the range of motion you have throughout a movement. It could be anything. It could be a punch or a kick. It could be a deadlift or a power clean. Just you need to have full range of motion within the movement, and that requires flexibility. And like I think it's because we were doing assistive stretching in a lot of these movements and a lot of these poses that yeah. like. It's all of a sudden like, wow, I can do this. Like like I said, I was shocked that within a week, you're already doing like a full range of motion squat. Oh, j- dude, just a simple squat. And like you were saying, man, I couldn't get past like a certain point. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't go down all the way. I mean, my ass was still 
probably above two, your knees. Two, yeah, it was above absolutely your knees, like yeah. two feet off the ground still. Yeah, yeah. and I, I mean today I was going as like literally like all the way down. Like my yeah. ass was almost touching the ground. Yeah, ass to grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. You were, you were pretty I mean, much ass to grass. I was shocked by that. Um, but I mean that, and again, that's just keeping up with just stretching every day, just simple things, you know, not going really intense, but you know, again, you've shown me techniques that I never knew existed that were simple enough and extremely effective. You, you talking about the stretching or you're talking about the workouts? Absolutely, yeah. You no, know, yeah. well just the, the at home, you know, every day, just stretching. Yeah, and it's not hard. It's actually relaxing, right? Just to be oh, like, oh, very. This. Yeah. Oh, this feels good, right? Yeah. Yep, especially but, just going at your own pace taking your time with it yeah and it's just it's incredible that within a week you're already doing these things that's yeah. really cool that's really cool um i'm excited to get to the point like you know a couple of weeks down the line when it's like all right we're gonna do you know single arm kettlebell lunges or like cleans with the kettlebell and yeah. stuff like that and that like that's gonna be cool when we get to that part but even the uh the workouts we were doing with those steel maces what do you call those the 10 and the 15 pound ones you have. Oh, they're steel maces. Oh, the steel maces. Steel right. Maces. I mean, even day one, the first session, I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> like this is only 10 pounds. There's no way in today. I mean, I felt I did pretty okay. Yeah. You know, just with the, and, and again, just having that, there's just something about just shifting weight to one side instead of having it. Uh, I, I don't know. It just, it, it th- completely threw me off. The, the first session. So what's your, what, what's your feedback between the maces and the clubs? Because they're very unconventional oh. Oh. and they're very different. Well, the thing is, is like, well, I, the thing is, in my experience in general, this whole thing is different, right? So like, I never right, thought right, right. like any of those exercises, I would never thought have existed. And again, I'm working on parts of my body I didn't know <laughs> I had to even focus on, you know, and um. Like I said, with the with when you're working with the steel mace, you're doing a lot of balance stuff. So like even when we were doing the squats, that the weight is all the way on the end of that yes, ball. Exactly. So when you're holding the bar towards the left, but all that weight is on the right, and now you have to go do a squat. You know, it's amazing like how much I guess strength you have to have just to keep that bar upright. Like you know, straight, like straight, yeah, uh, yeah horizontal. Yeah. yeah. It I mean just intense stuff and even the the clubs you know i wouldn't i wouldn't think that little thing was 10 or 15 pounds 10 and pounds little 10 pound clubs even the exercise we were doing it's like you were making it seem like oh yeah just you know go over your head and twirl it down and then just you know twist your arm this way and then we're gonna go in the opposite direction yeah we're gonna do like you know 10 of those <laughs> back and forth and it's like oh okay oh god i can i, I understand now you know um but I mean, overall, like I'm, I'm actually enjoying it, and uh, yeah, no, I, I feel good though. That's good. good. That's good. so. My biggest concern because when I used to work out with friends, it was like <laughs> we're gonna, like I was saying before when we were eating dinner, it's kind of like I used to work out like a meathead, and it was just like let's just go, and I'm gonna go until I can break this other person in training. Yeah. So I'm gonna watch this person fall apart in front of me, and I will out train them, which is a fucking horrible thing to do that's a horrible way to work out don't ever work out with ego that's the worst (laughs) thing to do i mean maybe a little ego but like not don't lift with ego that's horrible but like i went from that to be like okay i went through so many phases of fitness where it was like working out with you know the the college sports teams when i was in college Mm -hmm. in the weight room and the football team and the soccer team and the baseball team and like and that's meathead that's a meathead mentality like just fucking 
what, you can only curl 25, you should be curling 35. Just pick up the 35 and throw it up. Like, form wasn't really a thing. Yep. It was just pick up the biggest weight and put it down. That was it. And then it turned into like, all right, well, I want functional. I want something a little bit more functional. So then it turned into, I want to do, you know, um, like purely just body weight stuff, explosive plyometric stuff. So burpees, push-ups, pull-ups, jumping squats and lunges, all that stuff. And then I found out like, you know what, that's not, I'm not getting the gains I wanted. So then I went into the other, the second chapter of me head mode, which is the ego mode of I'm going to burn out anybody around me. So if I'm getting tired, I'm going to go until that person stops, which is horrible, right? Um, good for mental strength, I guess, but horrible for the body. And I was breaking down and that's when I had a back problem and mm-hmm. that was bad. And now I've, <laughs> I went from like seven days a week to six days a week to five days a week. Now I work out three days a week <laughs> and like my workouts, don't get me wrong, they punish me, but like... They're very segmented, right? So it's kind of like I don't do super heavy weights. I just do a good I do a lot of reps and a lot of sets. So instead of doing like 3 sets of 12 reps, I do 5 sets of 5 reps. Gotcha. Okay. And instead of increasing the weight each time, I mm-hmm. just do the same weight with no rest. Right. So I'll do 5 squats, then I'll do 5 pull-ups. Then I'll do 5 squats, then I'll do 5 pull-ups. Then I'll do 5 squats and 5 pull-ups. And I go back and forth until I get a total of 10 sets done. My workout's done. Like, t- like Tabata style. Kind almost. of, yeah. Kind of. like, But like that, like, okay, cool. My push-pull segment of that is done. Now I'm going to go over to something else. And then I keep moving around. So it's really cool because, you know, I'm still beating the shit out of myself. But I feel like I'm in the best shape possible because now I'm sleeping more. I'm beating my body less physically in the gym. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still staying active by doing martial arts and playing hockey and doing all these other things. So, um it's weird because uh, the oldest I am now, I feel great. I feel pretty good. But like, yeah. but like the stuff that I'm doing with you, like you saw me doing the same things, right? Like, like it's not like it's easy for me. It's still like I still have to try to do them. But it's almost like it's it's not pushing me in the same way as it does when you first pick it up. And I and of course that's with anything, right? You ascend the weight or you increase the difficulty, right? So like eventually, what I was doing with the steel mace because I was using it so much, I actually got a like. Bosu ball, like the the flat with a half a bubble. Yes, yeah. And I was doing all my workouts on that with the mace, so I had to balance on it. Okay. That became a whole new chapter, which was awesome. But it's cool going through like the different philosophies of of working out, right? Whether it's like Pavel Tatsulin of greasing greasing the groove of just doing amount of high reps without worrying about the weight, or whether it's um, trying to do Tabata sets for you know like high intensity interval training stuff like that like it's it's cool to do everything Mm -hmm. and it's cool doing it with you because we used to train together right we used to so it's like i know you're physically capable of doing a lot so it's cool to see you get back into it like just just today when i was like all right cool let's work on like the kick like that was cool like you still have it but like you know it's just like oh the flexibility is not there as much yeah let's just break this open and like crack (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was fun just crack the hips a bit yeah but um Explain the gimp room so people don't judge me too harshly. Okay, yeah, no, that's that's kind of like a metaphor. So pretty much, he was after our workout. He was like, "All right, well, now we're gonna go to the uh, the cool down room." And I was like, "Oh wow, like I feel special." <laughs> and um, he's like, "Yeah, you're gonna be." Yeah, <laughs> but he said something about uh, the tears are gonna be coming down my face, or like, "All right, well, what's this about?" And uh, so he tells me to lay down. And I'm, I'm, I have a, I have like a workout mat. Yes. Like a long yoga plastic rubber. Good, good quality. Good quality. Um, tells me to lay down. 
extend my legs out on my back, by the way. And uh, he pulls out this contraption with what looks like rollerblade wheels, like maybe six or eight of them, uh, like three or four on each side. He's like, all right, I'm going to put this on your leg and I'm just going to roll it up and down. And I'm thinking, all right, well, like what could go wrong? (laughs) And then he puts it on my ankle. Now, (laughs) right above the ankle, right? Not on the ankle bone. It was right above the ankle. I'm trying to think of a comparison here. Um, honest to God, worst pain I've ever felt <laughs> in like my ankle shin area. But I'll tell you what, they feel like brand new legs now. <laughs> Pretty much the idea is he wraps this thing across my legs, you know, so there's a set of wheels on each side and he was just kind of going up and down my leg. And it doesn't sound bad when I say it like that. No, it sounds pleasant. But there is so much tension on that thing. And, on and the then lines, yeah. on top, you have these the set of wheels just pushing down on both sides of your legs, rolling up and down, and it's just loosening up all those muscles and tendons. And it hurts, but, man, when he took it off, instantly, just like my leg was... Like loose. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like, Ooh. oh, it felt great. And then you're like, all right, well, now we're going to go up to your like thigh <laughs> and I'm going to ro- like roll down to your hip area pretty much. <laughs> and uh, I almost cried. I literally was holding my mouth. I was, I was laugh. I was almost laugh crying. It was that intense. But again, I have a brand new set of legs now because of it. So I appreciate that. So I had you do that. So I did that with you while well, you stretched and then I did the rollout and then I gave you a mobility ball when I said, when I said like, put this under your ass. Yes. Just- yeah. So I'm still on my back. Yeah. He tells me, you know, just stay laying down. I'm going to get, he hands me this black ball that probably the size of like a, a baseball or tennis ball, whatever. And I'm like, okay, just put it right on your ass cheek. Like just sit on it kind of. <laughs> okay. So I put it on and I was like, I understand <laughs> completely. And, uh, yeah, he was just like, yeah, just kind of move it around everywhere and just kind of loosen up that ass cheek again and, you know, do the same thing on the other side. And then you're going to take it, apply it on your hip and kind of roll horizontally across your hip and really like, you know, it'll, it'll loosen everything up. Um, yeah, how did it feel on the hip? It all oh, felt great on the hip. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, especially on my left side. Um, and that's what I started discovering too, especially with the, uh, the first session was my left side when it comes to like my hips are just terrible and mm. even just demonstrating um earlier today doing the roundhouse kicks yeah i just have a hard time rotating pivoting and rotating when it comes to my left side for whatever reason what did you think of the uh of the of the starting stretch where i put the the steel bags on your knees when i had you doing like, almost okay lotus. so if anyone's like familiar with a butterfly position um like when you were like if you were to sit up almost indian style on the ground but you don't cross your legs you the bottoms of your feet touch each other and you like bring them in towards your like growing area right so you have like you know again butterfly position but you're laying down you're not sitting up and what he would do was at first i think you were just kind of like pushing down yeah and then you're like well i'm gonna put a bag on one side i was like all right like I, I'm whatever. And then you're like, well, do you want a bag on the other side? Yeah, let's go for it. As soon as he put the bag on again, (laughs) (laughs) 
the tears were just I was holding them back because and I mean how much do do, do those bags weigh? Like, Twenty five pounds. Okay, so that was fifty pounds, essentially on your legs. Right, the sides of my knees, um, just pushing them down, trying to spread them apart. Um, I it, that was a nightmare. But again, <laughs> how do you want to take them off? That was the th- that was the crazy thing, right? So I thought it hurt before. As soon as you lifted the weight off my knees and my legs naturally started coming up again. Yeah. Is, I mean, pain instantly. (laughs) Just, like, ran through my entire growing area. And I even, like, went sideways and started sucking my thumb like, I I can't do this. I have a family. Um, What was the most painful thing we did? Because there were a couple moments. There was that moment, the ball, the vice, um, the foam roller. And oh, the foam room. Yeah. Also, the, the frog position where I had you, like, rotate. Yes. Okay. That one, I, I'm actually embarrassed because I literally was telling him, Matt, I cannot do this. <laughs> My arm. Okay. So, for anybody that's not familiar, um, which I'm just, disco- you know, finding out about this lovely stretch, too. So, it's a it's a like a frog. Stretch. Yeah. It's a, it's a frog position stretch. So, essentially, you're o- almost in, like, a, what would you say? Like, a... Not, not really like, a child's pose, no, but like you're like on all fours. Yeah, but, but you're almost like you're you're in step, like you're the inside of your foot is flat to the surface of the ground. Yeah, so instead of having your toes touch, which a lot of people do because it's more comfortable, you force your feet out to shoulder width, and yep. then you have like like you said, the insides of your feet against the ground. So your heel and inside of the of your foot of your feet essentially are stabilizing your legs so they almost form like a like a boxed u yeah yeah and then you're supposed to push back yeah so the inside of your feet touching the ground along with your knees and then he's like all right well now go down on your elbows while holding the position of your legs i'm like okay all right yeah i'm starting to feel it now and then he's like all right well now take your left hand flip it over put it uh just over your right hand and now just turn your body Towards your left shoulder and just kind of hold that. I, my right hand was shaking. <laughs> was it a pain thing or was it like a? It wasn't even pain. Thing? Literally, I just had no control of the nerves. Oh, and my, like my arm was, and that's why I was like, Matt, I cannot do this. <laughs> and you're like, All right, well, next side. You're like, We're <laughs> don't worry about it. So we're gonna do this side now. And I, Matt, I can't do this, dude. Like, yeah. So I think we did like. Uh, there was maybe two different variations of that, right? So there was the one where uh, it we did it on the elbows, but then we did one similar where I had it on my hands as you, well. You pushed off your palms and did right. It so we palms. were on all fours again with yeah. palms, knees, yeah, and uh, same thing, just a little bit higher up. And I just I couldn't do it. My both my arms, my support arms, were like about to give out. <laughs> well, next time we'll get you to do that stretch next week. But that stretch loosens everything in the upper back yeah like, i usually i believe you yeah <laughs> i never i didn't get to experience that but it, oh dude that's that's the one stretch that like cracks everything for me on my upper back i'm mm. just like yes yes and that's your that was that your first foam roller on your back um i feel like you and i used that before a long time ago yeah uh you and i went to oh oh no. we went to class but it wasn't to go to class i think you and i just trained one day yeah, on our own. And I think so. it was like uh, they had the dojo open. Yes, they, and there was one there. 
Yes. And yeah. uh, you had brought that. I don't even, I think we were just practicing techniques. I remember we were doing a lot of ground stuff. Um, I remember you were making me do these, uh, some rowing technique. And that killed me. You you told me to sit down, sit straight up, but kind of oh, keep my right. Yes, and row with the mace. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, that was bullshit. By the way, <laughs> um, but I remember using the roller that day, and I just didn't remember what it felt like up until today when my back cracked going back and forth twice. Um, but again, I feel amazing. I have a new back now, so. I need to get the, they're called rumble rollers, I think. I call them dragon teeth, but they're the same thing, but they're like knobs, like tire, like mud tires. Mm. So it literally looks like, like every like inch, there's like a knob, dead space, a knob, dead space, a knob, dead space. And for me, that's the only foam roller that I could use that I feel it. Right. That's just like, okay, I'm just like, all right, this is just, I just feel pressure. But the knobby one, the dragon tooth one, that like, digs and i'm just like yeah. ooh, and then, like you put your arms up yeah, and you're then, like, savage like that i know digs, it digs even deeper oh oh it feels so good it feels so good i mean i don't know what it is i don't know what it is about about like maintenance stuff like that that feels so good but it hurts the whole time like like well, well yeah it pays off in the end like the standing on the mobility ball i had you do oh like, that too like that. But that that was like that was really great yeah that, that felt i mean literally it hurts so good <laughs> it did well because i i don't know if we talked about like what we do for professions or whatever but i'm i'm a chef so i'm on my feet all day right um so for me that i feel like i could do that every day i come you know like i could just come home from work do that for a little while both feet and yeah because i of course i i have foot pain i come home from work and that's all my you feet need. are just destroyed. That's yeah, you, you just need. You can, like I said, you can even get like the knobby ones where they have like studs on them. Mm-hmm. If you want to dig in, I'll work my way up to that. <laughs> and then what some people do is that they put them in the freezer, so when they take it out and they use it. It's like frozen, <laughs> so it's like a cold version of it, but like it's it's somehow stiffer because of the rubber just, and then it just really just gets in there. So that's the gimp room. <laughs> uh, oh, and let's not forget the. Um, the that wide leg stretch we were doing where i had to put my foot up against like the corner of the bed and then you oh, took your foot yeah. started stretching my other foot out and you're like all right we'll grab this hockey stick now and i'm gonna pull you towards me yeah so yeah so trying to work on stretching out the hip in the groin area i personally feel that the two things that people have the most problems with when it comes to flexibility well, number one is always the hips because you never have a situation where your hips get stretched. Mm-hmm. No natural situation. You always have to like, you always have to be aware of putting yourself in that weird ass position to stretch your hips. So nobody ever does it unless you do like yoga, martial arts, or a sport that requires that. Yeah. But the other thing is the uh, the upper back. I feel like everybody wants to stretch it and they try to stretch it, but they don't. Act, like remember when you're like, oh, my upper back is and, and last week. Oh, in super the tight. Week, yeah. And I was like, okay, you got to do this, like, try this one stretch. Mm. And that pulls everything on that side. And, like, you probably never would have just done that move by yourself. Never. Right? Like, you would have probably, a lot of people struggle to think of how to attack a certain angle on a stretch. I think, honestly, the best way to stretch for a lot of people is if you just hang. Just hang. Just let 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 gravity just pull everything All that body weight, yeah. Yeah, but everybody has a, a, a... thing to do that with but like that stretch for example is a really good stretch to stretch out that upper back and you already you felt it immediately you were like whoa it's yeah feels great like, yeah i feel like people want to always stretch these things but they don't and if they had high mobility in both 
you'd be surprised at what you could get done. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know how we always start off with you in the squat with the overhand position? Yes. And I always stretch it back. Yep. It's like, that's because nobody's ever, that position tightens everything up and nobody ever is in that position. Yeah. Unless you're doing, you know, thrusters or some kind of Olympic lifts. Like, that's not really a thing people do. But if you can get your body in that position to open up, it's like, wow, that's a crazy that's a crazy feeling to have that looseness there. Yeah. For so. people who don't know what he's talking about, what he has me do um, is hold like essentially a broomstick. And I get in a squat position and I hold this broomstick like over my head, arms straight out. And what he does is he kind of like fixes my posture in a way, brings my body forward while I while I maintain a squat position and it just like it stretches out again just certain areas you just cannot get you know it's 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 just mind blowing <laughs> little things like that little you know? things yeah it's also like when i started using like the steel mace and the steel <clears throat> club and um not so much with kettlebells but maybe probably more with sandbags there's a weird amount of muscles that you don't realize you have like when I had you just do like that that opening exercise with the club, I was like, "We're yes. gonna bring it around." Yeah, that's, that's right. All. Like you don't realize the tiny muscles that you have yeah. until all of a sudden you hit a point. You're like, "Uh oh!" And then like yeah. you start feeling everything pull, and you're like, "Ooh, ooh, ooh!" And then you rotate it back out, and you feel your whole wrist like straining. It's like, yeah, those are a lot of muscles, but we don't really there's because there's no conventional way to attack them. Like curls are not gonna do it. Pull ups won't do it. Like push ups aren't gonna attack those those the muscles in those positions yeah it's like you need to have like a club to do that one yeah move. like nothing else i guess you can maybe use a dumbbell mm-hmm. but it's so big and clunky and it's i guess you could do it in a similar fashion but it's it's just yeah it's really cool to think about the amount of stabilizers you use when it comes to that and i think that's why you see when you have like yogis people who are just full-on into yoga and they do that five days a week for their gym they have a weird walk and tone to them they walk Mm. differently you literally you see it with almost every yoga teacher at least they don't walk normally yes could they be aware of their posture when they walk yeah probably they're very in tune with their body but there's also a strengthening that they have which is really weird you see it with people who are really strong in certain yoga positions the way they can hold like their upper body while their hips are like rotating forward underneath them in like a weird i don't know fucking lunge like it's just it's a weird strength that you wouldn't naturally target yeah you know um yeah so anyways that that's it's cool it's really cool i mean i i hope you can get to one day get to the position and i don't see why you why you couldn't where you can start coming to the gym with me where it's like cool we're gonna do like my barbell day which is gonna be like squats and pull-ups and incline bench and reverse grip bench, and then we're gonna do sled pushes for bursts, and then we're gonna do like uh, like you know inverted rows, and then we're gonna be doing you know like like re- reverse dips and stuff like that. Then we're gonna do power cleans. It's like yay, stuff like that would be <laughs> stuff like that would be fun. I um you know what I did yesterday for the first time, what? which was way harder than I thought. Uh, yesterday was my cardio day. Um, my cardio and, and core day it's it's one of the three days and i do that with my friend tomek who if you listen to the enough about you podcast he uh he's the guy that almost shot johnny by mistake um <laughs> anyways um he, great guy good friend uh so moving on he him and i uh there's tires outside of the gym i go to okay 
And he was like, let's start off our cardio. We always start Like off- a monster tire. Like- yeah, okay. yeah. We always All start right. off with jump rope. Okay. So we do minutes, minute sets of jump rope. We just jump for six minutes total, essentially um, a minute apiece. So we jump for a minute, then we take like 30 seconds off, then we jump for a minute, take 30 seconds off. Okay. So we did jump rope outside, and then we stopped, and it was like, all right, let's do tire flips. So we did like back to, back and forth, 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 uh, flipping the tire. Mm-hmm. So like he would do five flips, then I would do five flips. So we basically would flip the tire to each other okay. on our sets, and we just went nonstop. Um, with the rest being the other person doing theirs. And I thought it was like, okay, cool. That was really fun. I like it a lot. It activated everything. I, I, I got to do this all the time now. <laughs> Last night, I got up to go to the bathroom. And I go to reach the door handle, like the knob. <laughs> yeah. And I grabbed it. And then when I went to twist, my hand like locked. And I was like, <gasps> <laughs> and I was like, oh my. So like the thing is, is that when you grab the tire, it's just huge, huge knobby tires. right? Yeah. You have to squat down to Astergrass, put your hands like wedged underneath. There's no actual grip. You have to grip the knobs. So I'm gripping the knobs. Uh. Yeah, there's no handles. Like I know it looks easy when you see a video, but there's no handles to it. There's no like easy grip. It's just you have to find a knob that's aligned in front of you, grab it somehow like this or like this, Mm. and then just pick it up and then Mm. flip over and push. Like that still hurts my my forearms right now. My forearms are still tired from that. Like it was, it was a very learning experience of uh, quite the, and quite the educational experience of like, oh wow, I thought I was this wouldn't affect me as much. Yeah, like wow, it affects me a lot now. Like that's ugh, ugh. Hmm. But anyways, so. For those who are listening, you probably saw or heard of UFC 226. Most reportedly about UFC 226 was Daniel Cormier beating Stipe Miocic for the heavyweight championship and won via knockout in the first round. First round, yeah. Which I feel like an idiot because I kept talking about his rest, TC's wrestling ability and taking down Stipe and grinding him out and you know being so good with his blitzes and Stipe's going to have to be on. He's going to be backpedaling the whole time, and nope. DC just knocked him out in the first round. So this brought up a huge conversation of, can you now call Daniel Cormier the greatest of all time, the GOAT, which is always an inflammatory statement, I feel, in MMA, because you have the Anderson Silva fans, Mm -hmm. you have the GSP fans, you have the Demetrius Johnson fans, you have the Chris Cyborg fans, you have the Daniel Cormier fans, you have the John Jones fans, it's like you have the Stipe Miocic fans. You have a lot of people who have a lot of different views on how you define the greatest of all time so i will ask you in your opinion how do you quantify an mma and ufc specifically well here's the thing right the greatest so a lot of people will argue to this day you know john jones like oh well um even if it was if he was clean he can still beat daniel well how do we know because the two times he beat him he was use you know he was using so uh actually what did they catch him for well exactly? the last time they caught him with clue clue i forget what it's called but they caught him with that one and then the first one they didn't catch him with anything the first time you sure i thought he, I, I thought he had stuff in his system the no, first time also no the first time it was controversial because i think that was right after like he hit the pregnant woman and left okay no, he had other drug, uh, he had other dramas surrounding him with drugs. Yeah, he was like on cocaine and weed, and 
he was partying. He wasn't, I think, quote unquote, taking PEDs. They didn't find any of that in his system, though. I don't think so. Okay. No, um. Well, I'm pretty sure cocaine leaves your system pretty quickly, but. Uh yeah. There's been so many times he's he, the only. So everybody said the only time he truly was natural was when he faced Ovin St. Prue. Okay. When he came back and he fought OSP. That's the, a lot of people say, at least in the MMA community, that like that's the only time we saw him allegedly fight clean, for whatever reason. I think that was the first or second fight under USADA, and that's why. Mm-hmm. But he looked not spectacular. He won. I mean, nothing against OSP. Ovid St. Prue is not a title contender yet, um, I would say, as far as a caliber fighter. Facing, you know, a lanky, strong, talented, naturally gifted John Jones, even if he's running natural, we saw what happened. He beat the shit out of Ovid St. Prue. Mm-hmm. But everybody was saying, especially DC was saying, like, yo, if I, got, if I was in that octagon tonight instead of OSP, I would have ragdolled John Jones. That's not the normal John Jones. Everybody was saying, like, why does he look so different? Is this octagon rust? What is it? Like, how is it like this? And now we fast forward to all of his fucking dramas with USADA and his suspensions. And now yeah. everybody's like, well, he was probably fighting natural. That's the only time. And that's what did it. But, um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, first off, I'm so glad that dc won i i really i kind of felt so i felt bad for the guy you know because he's such a great guy in general you know he seems like he has a really cool personality and he's a great wrestler yeah yeah um great competitor he just never got the respect he deserved because of the john jones saga oh yeah 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 absolutely um, and I mean, even after he won this title, you could just see that smile on his face yeah. the entire time, you know, like he's like a little kid. Um, but now greatest of all time. Well, how do you define greatest of all time? Do you define it by, by, by your wins, your style of wins? Do you do it by record? Like, cause if you do it by record, Demetrius Johnson is the greatest of all time. If you do it by style, you could talk Anderson Silva. If you do and it by you, dominance, when, when we say greatest about, of all time, we're also meaning by UFC standards too. UFC, point, yeah, we're talking about point style fighting. So, right. I mean, so then are you talking about finishes to be the greatest of all time? You talking about the dominance of how well they out outperform their opponent? Like for UFC standards, DC is great, but is he? I don't know if he's the greatest of all time. He went up and fought in. He fought in. He's he's the championship in two divisions, which he comes in second compared to Connor, right? Because I think Connor yeah. was. I think Connor McGregor is not in that content. Is not in that conversation yet because I don't think Connor's had the reign of a level of opponents, but uh, be also the reign of just literal time. I don't think he's yeah. had enough opponents to justify that. Or like, look at GSP, you know, his GS- comeback, GSP. comeback after a four year hiatus was going up in weight, went up in weight, uh, middleweight, right? He went up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, beat Bisping. Yep. Champion two two division champion. And that was rusty. That was GSP. Well, rusty, right? That was a rusty. Also, he had a stomach disease. I forget what it's called. Right. Colitis. He has colitis. Yeah. Um, but also, he wasn't an active two-division champion. So he did win another belt, but he wasn't actively in the other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because Tyron Woodley technically is the 170 champion. Right, right. So, so, 
I don't know, man. So, 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 so let's just go back to like, how do, how do you define if, when I say greatest of all time, when I say who is the goat of the UFC of the UFC in yes. general? Yes. Who do you think of? Like, where did your mind fly to? I mean, not, not just the obvious. I don't mean like the names. I mean, like, what does it fly to or who does it fly to in the, in the term of how, how do you judge it? Like my mind goes straight to George St. Pierre and uh, Demetrius Johnson. Because both of their ability to play chess in the octagon and dominate, but also their literal records. Their records are actually, like, I think they're competing against each other right now for their records. Right. Um, for, like, most consecutive title defenses or most wins, consecutive wins. They're the two who are in that pop of my mind just because of that level of dominance. Now, I agree. I'm not taking anything away from DC because I think DC's great. But we've seen DC lose. Yes. Granted, it's only against John Jones. Right. So then you bring in Which again, there are things to question, you know, with the losses, or at least one of them. Because then you bring into play because almost everybody that we talked to talked about Anderson Silva, uh George St. Pierre, Demetrius yeah. Johnson, Daniel Cormier, they've all lost. Matt Sarah, Matt Hughes, TJ Dillashaw, <laughs> uh like you can go through it. They've all had at least one actual loss. John Jones only quote unquote loss was a disqualification. So he's technically never lost. Hmm. Right? 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 See, but the way my brain works, too, it's like I have to think about what goes on outside of the octagon as well, just them as people what do you and mean? how genuine they are. Like, I would say GSP because not only of his reputation and his record, but the fact of, like, it is in his blood. There's a lot of fighters that, I mean, yeah, obviously you have to have ta- talent to be in the UFC. They're right. not just going to take anybody unless you're going to be fighting in the prelims and you're just like meat for the, you know, for the next slaughter or something. Right, you right. know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, a, a lamb for slaughter. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of guys out there that are just, they train because they know they'll get a paycheck. But then I feel like with GSP, it's, I mean, for your hiatus, the guy was still doing martial arts, genuinely, you know, keeping up. He was going back. He was going to old school. He was like, that's what I mean. Like, it's in his blood. Like, he breathes it. He was like putting on the gear and doing Kyokushin again. Absolutely. He was going old school. Absolutely. And knowing, like, even after four years, the four years, you were just in the the zone, you know, martial arts. Like, you could have been doing anything in those four years. And mind you, I mean, yeah, he wasn't doing that 24-7, but I feel like he's a more genuine fighter compared to someone like, again, and people might argue with me on this one, but like John Jones, he's great in the octagon, but then it's like, look at him as a person and things that he's been through, you know, compared to like GSP. The other thing I'd like to point out to, to define Go is that you need to see adversity because if, let's say, Conor McGregor starches everybody in 13 seconds... That's also an argument for being the greatest because you're just fucking people up so quickly. But it's also like what's your level of depth as a champion because we haven't seen it. John Jones got fucked up by Alexander Gustafson. I remember Brendan Schaub, uh, a former UFC heavyweight fighter, talking about, um, (laughs) I think, his boxing coach. Uh, His boxing coaches were with him for like a UFC event, Mm. like their first UFC event. And it was that event, I believe. And I remember (laughs) he talks about how John Jones was being stretchered off, stretchered out, and he's like shaking and throwing up. And Brendan was just like, 
good job champ you did it man you did it like go you and his boxing coach was like what the fuck happened and brendan was like he he won <laughs> like he, he that's what happened he he won against alexander gustafson like that's what happened and that's what i mean like <laughs> That's why I said, and when it comes to UFC standards, it's kind of tough to say who's actually like truly the greatest, especially when it's a point-based system. Like, sure, he could have thrown so many more hits, he could have had so many more takedowns, but in my opinion, it should be about damage. It's like look at, and that's a great point. It's like look at him, but then look at the other guy. I'm sure the other guy was standing upright, you mm-hmm. know, and there was John Jones on a stretcher. Yeah. But John Jones is the greatest of all time, right? Well, I, I mean, they say they say he's the greatest of all time because he's been. F- Did you know that he didn't have a jujitsu coach to teach him anything until I think it was like six fights into the UFC? Like this is after he standing guillotined Lyoto Machida. So it was just all self taught. I don't he just yeah. He was just like I used to wrestle and I figured this is how you do it, and that's he was just doing it to fucking jujitsu black belts. Yeah, I mean that. That's wow. I, <laughs> now, 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 there's there's something to be said for John Jones because I think there's a lot to be said to his natural talent, and by talent I mean not just his creativity and his flow in and when he fights, but he has the perfect body for fighting. Oh, absolutely. His body looks perfect for fighting. Yeah, it's because it is. I mean, I think the thing, I think the. The thing about somebody like George St. Pierre, which is so cool, is that you see a guy who's gone through a lot of adversity. He got messed up against Carlos Condit. He got beaten by Matt Hughes. He got beaten by Matt Serra. He Mm -hmm. went to war with Johnny Hendricks. Yeah. GSP has never cruised his way through his entire career. He's had a lot of rough fights. And that's what I like about him because you see him adjust. I think a good, I think the best term the best rule to judge the greatest of all time is to do it by how hard is it to defeat this person? Bottom line, how Fair hard enough, if yeah. you're coaching against this guy, how do you beat them? So yep. if you do George St. Pierre, how do you beat George St. Pierre? It's like, well, I guess you try to knock him out. Like you're not going to really out wrestle him. Yeah. You might be able to beat him. I mean, I wouldn't trust getting in the clinch with him because I think he's, you're going to get ragdolled if, if he gets that, if he gets that close to you. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so what do you do? It's like, you got to try. What did, like, that's what Carlos Condit did. That's what Johnny Hendricks did. It was like, we're just going to keep this at striking and I'm going to try to outstrike you. When you play into George St. Pierre's game of, I need to avoid the takedown, you're going to get jabbed. If you try to avoid the jab, you're going to get take. You're going to get taken down. I think if you avoid falling into that game of his and you just fall into a, I'm going to circle against him and force him to walk into my shots and not let him dictate it as best as I can. And that's hard because and you saw it with Carlos Condit. The second you try to play that striking game and Bisping tried the same thing, George takes you down. So that's an X factor that's so hard to stop because nobody's really stopped it. Nobody's ever released. Johnny Hendricks came close. A, a also questionably juiced Johnny Hendricks yes. came close to <laughs> playing that game. You saw George got messed up. George got, took a lot of damage that fight because Johnny was able to wrestle to the point of like, you're not going to get in that much more of an advantageous position if you engage me in wrestling. Yep. Let's keep it standing. And you saw it. And Johnny had some weird power where he was able to just inflict a lot of damage with little contact. And George had a lot of damage on his face. George was more consistent with striking, so he won. But you saw what happens when you can enable that game plan. Yeah. Remember, you and I were freaking out because we were like, oh, my God, he could lose. 
Like, he's getting fucked up here. We're that was probably this. the most intense. Uh, oh, my God. When it came down to the results. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was like. You, we were both standing. Yeah, we were both standing. Just we we both got out of our chairs. We were like, I cannot believe. No, there, this can't happen. I, I was so. Like, I kept telling myself, George lost. He, there's no way. I, no, you kept saying it all loud. You're like, he lost. He, he like, lost. yeah, dude. I, like, why are we here? Like, and I kept telling you, like, no, 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 no. He, he outstruck him. He outstruck him. He, like, I was like, but, but no, <laughs> like, no, he's Dan. And even Dan, Dana White made a comment. He's like, no, th- I mean, this should be more about damage or whatever. He's like, Hendricks clearly won that fight and whatever. But yeah, I was so convinced that, and I'm a huge diehard GSP fan. Oh, we both are. Yeah, but are. I was so convinced he lost, and when they said he won, and how loud, that's well, probably I was the loudest. And screaming next oh to you. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh yeah. The whole place the was whole, the. Oh my god! It was great. Oh yeah. The whole place freaked out. That was. I couldn't believe that either. I was like, "Oh my god! Thank you." <laughs> there, there is a lord. Um, but like, anyways, like, like that. That is the closest we've had to seeing George's plan, George's strategy get stifled yeah other than a fluke kick punch something yeah that's it um you know like try to plan against demetrius johnson (sighs) it's like all right you're not gonna outstrike him you're not gonna out clinch him you're not gonna out wrestle him you're definitely not gonna out out jujitsu him what do you have it's like well we can (laughs) we can make it if we can make it past five rounds we can maybe get the judges to like us (laughs) it's like we gotta just (laughs) Hit him and run. Hit him and run. Just hit him and run. Get the points. Get out of there as fast as fucking possible. Just run. Just run. Just run. But you see how fast he is. Oh, my like, God. He, like, the second you step into exchange, he's like, okay. Pop, 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 pop. Like, four-punch combo. Here comes two knees to the head somehow. Yeah. And then you're going to run away, and he's going to somehow, like, trip you on the outside and get you down. Yeah. It's like, yeah. fuck. You know? Oh, man. I don't know. Like, like that's that's. Anyways, that's how I define it. I define it like that. Like D- Daniel Cormier is a guy you can plan against. Yeah, he has great accomplishments. He's a awesome dude. Great, like Family Guy. He's awesome. He he's you cannot hate Daniel Cormier. Even during the John Jones saga, you couldn't hate DC. You right. can't hate DC. You couldn't. But I again, I just I felt bad for the disre. I feel like more people were just loyal to John Jones. I think it's because they they just they just thought of John Jones as I think the the majority of MMA fans saw John Jones as just like this cool cocky Anderson Silva type guy who just fucked people up. And then when they started seeing and 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 experiencing what he did, mm-hmm. like I remember the second that DC won, the amount of people trolling John Jones on Twitter like fuck you like it's like you'll you'll never get to the spot dc is like dc's the better man like it just it was that people almost felt like pained like people were almost hurt by the fact that john jones did all the things he did i remember when he when he was like this when he hit the pregnant lady and fled a lot of people were pissed a lot of fans were pissed they were like are you kidding me you're john jones you're bones jones you're you just did this that's the scummiest thing that anybody Actually, yep. no, it's not the scummiest thing anybody in the UFC's done. But that's that's a scummy thing to do when you're like, you know, the, like he had sponsors. I think it was like with Nike. Yeah. He, he he had a he had a lot. He had a lot of potential on top of just being a an amazing uh, athlete in MMA. Um, 
and then everybody mocks him whenever he quotes like the bible he tries to be like all like yeah oh but jesus said this is the way and they're like what the f- you don't know anything about jesus if you're doing yeah. the things you do get out of here like you fuck <laughs> so in your opinion then when we say greatest of all time we're talking about over all divisions yes so greatest fighter of all time who do you think is your greatest because I'm, I'm gonna say gsp it's hard because Chris Cyborg jumps to mind as well. Oh, that's right. We haven't even talked about females. Yes. Well, not to be it, sexist. No, no. It's not, it's not about being sexist. It's because I think there's too much. It's too volatile. You don't have a dominant female. Even Ronda Rousey wasn't really that dominant. When you saw her knock out Betch Correa, you saw that she had sloppy, sloppy footwork and sloppy boxing. Yeah. It was kind of like, yeah, she's fearsome because she's so good at what she does. But it's like, I remember when the Holly Holm fight was announced, I remember being like... That sounds like a rough match. That sounds like a bad... And even Ronda said it. She was like, I don't know why people keep saying I'm going to dominate Holly Holm. Like, she's a former, like, multiple division boxing and kickboxing champion. Like, yep. she's an excellent striker. She's going to be a huge challenge. She was, you know, the the downfall. But um, I think Cyborg is really the only example you have. Also, because there's not as many divisions in the women's divisions. Mm-hmm. But I would say Chris Cyborg, by far. She's terrifying. She destroys girls oh just destroys just 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 it's just like it's almost like you're facing a video game character and that character has a hundred percent on accuracy and power <laughs> and you don't yeah and you have to beat this person on, on the hardest difficulty possible hmm. it's like i like you like we watch her fight and it's just it's it's just it's entertaining for a second to be like, oh, how are they going to dance with her? They're like, oh, they're not going to dance with her. They're getting right. fucked up, and then they get fucked up. Yeah, you know. I mean, I know Ronda's kind of the mainstream favorite for that that title, but I definitely don't think Ronda's the the greatest female fighter of all time. No, and I, it was kind of funny too because I was reading an article um, a few days ago about her entering like Hall of Fame, UFC Hall of Fame. And yeah, it's like, yeah, she was inducted. The only thing I saw her doing really was giving hope to other female fighters you know because for a while she was undefeated and she was strong woman you know what i mean dominating at some point and i think that gave a lot of uh fighters like under her like i guess kind of like some hope in a way as much as she had her enemies it's just, I don't know. I feel like I'm seeing a lot more female female fighters with a ton of talent. And I well, feel she, like... Well, uh, she, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I, I feel like um, that was, like, Ronda's... I don't know. Like, like her part of the UFC was to, to, to bring the whole, like, female aspect into the sport, right? Like, to get more women. I, I don't know. I feel like a lot more women... Um, kind of looked up to her for that reason. Just the the fact like, you know what? We're women. We can do it too. Right. I mean, I think she's in, I mean, don't get me wrong. But, but that's it though. Like in, but for her to enter the Hall of Fame, especially how she ended her UFC career. I mean, you know, she started losing from that point on with after Holly and uh, especially her attitude towards it. Just like. Well, here's the funny thing. Her attitude never changed. It's just she was no longer the spotlight girl. I feel like she was kind of... Right. She was a... But she was always an abrasive, harsh, aggressive... 
girl. Like, she was always like that. Yeah. I agree with you in that she was inducted in the Hall of Fame, I think, not just for her domination ball. She was like, it was the Mike Tyson of, of women's MMA. She was so terrifyingly dominant. It, I don't think people were calling her the Mike Tyson of women's MMA because she had knockout power like that. But I think it was because she had the same ferocity of finishing fights like the, like Mike Tyson. Like when she walked yeah. in the ring, it was like, a, oh shit! I, 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 oh, don't get me wrong. No, she was she was great at you know what she did. I just feel like maybe the reason why she entered was because she was the stepping stone. That that's the term oh, I was of trying. Of course, to... she was. She was. She well, she was the yeah. big bang for women's MMA. Yeah, for mainstream. Yeah, you know, she she put women's MMA on the map. She did more for MMA, I think, than almost anybody in MMA. Right. You know what I mean? You can talk all you want about. Um, Forrest Griffin and uh, Stefan Bonner with their with their with their fight that like launched UFC into the like the couches and and living rooms of families around the United States. I think no, Ronda Rousey made MMA mainstream. Ronda Rousey put MMA in the UFC on her back and was just like, I'm gonna bring you to the top of the mountain, and she mm-hmm. did it. She was she was referenced in Beyonce concerts, like she like she was a she, she she's an icon. She's right. she's a martial arts icon, and the fact that she was is such a traditional judoka, too, was a huge thing because you didn't see her just on the mats. Mm. You saw her in her gi a lot, right? You know, you saw her doing a lot of. I mean, I I fucking hate the gym she trained at with uh, what's his name Edmund Tverden. I I hate the fact she stayed there. I think if she went to TriStar or like jackson winkle john or anything any other gym i think she would have had a very different career a more successful career but regardless no i think she was inducted in the ufc not just for her physical abilities and her successes in the octagon but i think it's again for the fact that she did so much for mma because she became a cultural icon she became a global icon of mma Mm -hmm. um but that doesn't put her in goat territory. Unfortunately, for, right. for me, she's not I, in goat yeah, territory. For me, my whole thing was like even just the way her career ended, you know, because it was just, you know, Holly was like, "All right, guys, well, this is how you do it with her and get in there now." And then just like the way she ended it, you know, and then signing with WWE, and you know, good for her. She's enjoying it there, whatever. But um, you know, her her first version of that with Gina Carano did the, did something similar. Gina Carano got fucked up by chris cyborg and gina carano was almost like the first ronda rousey but then she got fucked up by chris cyborg and just went to acting yeah you know what i mean so it's kind of yeah. kind of similar but i mean i don't blame him if i could not get punched in the face and get paid four times more i'm gonna do that yeah like <laughs> i would probably still train but not to compete that's yeah. if i was them but um no to answer your question sorry roundabout way of answering your question because you said who would i say my immediate thought would be those it's a tie i immediately think george st pierre and then whenever i think of gsp in this conversation i immediately think of dj Mm. of demetrius johnson mighty mouse as the counterpoint and then immediately after that i think of all chris cyborg is the woman's equivalent of pure dominance like Demetrius Johnson. so it's kind of like going back to like how would i game plan as a coach against any three of them it's like you George might be the easiest out of those three. That's a weird thing to say, but like, just gotta outstrike him and just stay away from his takedown range and don't let him dictate the pace with his jab. Mm. And, you know, you got a shot. Demetrius Johnson and Chris Cyborg, it's kind of like, I don't know what you got. It's like, maybe if you attack them with a bat beforehand and then they're (laughs) injured when they fight you, you might have a chance. 
Like, I don't know, though. <laughs> like, yeah. like the, I literally can't think of... Like, if I have to think of something right now... I mean... I think I would say the best thing you can do with, Dimitri, with Demetrius Johnson is, A, hope that you're physically talented like in a way that you're bigger than him. And with that, I would say smother with top game. Don't go for submissions. Don't go for ground and pound. Just pop him every once in a while with an elbow, but try to smother him from up top and don't let him squirm out. Mm-hmm. If you can maintain top position enough, you will win on the scorecards. Fair enough. I would say that because we've seen him outstrike strikers. We've seen him out wrestle wrestlers. Yeah. We've seen him out clinch Muay Thai people. We've seen him out out grapple uh, jujitsu guys. Yeah. Like he's almost unstoppable. Same thing with Chris Cyborg. It's like, who, what am I going to tell somebody to go against Chris Cyborg? It's like, okay. Try to go strike with her. Mm-hmm. She's a monster and she'll take your face off. But yeah. try to avoid, like, go try to out wrestle her. She's massive. Try to out clinch her. No. Don't try to don't try to I mean I guess, but like maybe jujitsu. Maybe jujitsu is the best way to do it, but good luck having the strength and technique to get a woman of her caliber on the ground. Yeah. And keep her there. Like at least with, with DJ, you're probably you could be bigger than him and you can smother him somewhat on the ground. It's very hard to find a woman that's bigger than than Chris Cyborg, who's physically talented enough with her coordination and practice and skill in one of the arts to get her to the ground and keep her there good luck just i'll say that just good luck like i'll leave it at that i'll just leave it at that for my group my goat conversation cool so i look like a fool on saturday as well because michael chiesa went up against anthony pettis and Mm. i kept tweeting my article about anthony pettis on the takedown to breakdowns.wordpress.com site and i was so proud of it i was like i'm probably gonna be right here we're gonna see the same thing happen again and then anthony pettis goes out there and gets a submission finish (laughs) finish so i was like fuck i was wrong um but it was it was weird because on one hand i felt like he didn't do anything that crazy different he did do one thing different and that was he was hyper aggressive so he he always stayed engaged he always pressed with his strikes now part of me is is wondering after watching the fight Cool. Did he get it because he revamped his his attitude and his his perspective on how to fight in the octagon, and that's how he was able to aggressively get into a position to submit? Mm-hmm. Or, oh, side note, that's also what he said. Anthony Pettis said he went back to the basics of how he got to the championship, and that was submissions. He was submitting guys off his back, and, oh, that's, yeah. and that's how he won. Um, but number two, a part of me can't help to say, can't help to think, and nothing against Chiesa, not trying to insult him, but I wouldn't say Michael Kies is exactly the elite talent in the lightweight division. I wouldn't say Michael Kies is maybe the hardest test for a guy like Anthony Pettis. Okay. I'm just I'm I'm just gonna be honest here. I don't think Michael Chiesa would have beaten Anthony Pettis regardless. I think Anthony Pettis would have beaten Michael Chiesa. Flat out. So I know they're pitted up against each other just because Anthony Pettis has fallen through the rankings because he's lost mm. a bunch. Yeah. But, like, at the same time, it's still fucking Anthony Pettis. He's still an elite elite taekwondo practitioner. He's still an elite jujitsu guy, clearly, as he submitted Michael Chiesa off his back. But, like, yeah, I, I felt like a lot of people were hyped about Pettis coming back, and I was also, like, embarrassed of in a way of, like, oh, I 
kind of wrote a whole article about how this wouldn't happen. <laughs> but then I kept thinking about it and I was like, well, hopefully I'm wrong about the article because I like Anthony Pettis and I want to see him come back and, and contend for a championship. Mm-hmm. But the other part of me also thinks that won't work against top talent in that division. I think that works against Michael Chiesa and that's because Michael Chiesa is not that good. Okay. Compared to the top. Well, you also, I, didn't you say a while back, it, it's getting to the point where Pettis is kind of like playing it safe. He hasn't really done anything like extraordinary when it comes to like his routine or technique. Well, that's what he I mean. Kinda, yeah. That's what I mean. Like he's, yeah. he's, he's never changed his game plan either. It's always been, I'm going to try to knock this person out. Oh no, it's not working. Oh no, they're crowding me. Oh no, it's a clinch and a takedown. And now I'm on my back getting ground and pounded. And that's how he usually loses. Okay. And he's never gone around that. For some reason, he's now super active into. He's super into. I'm gonna come at you with everything I got. Not like I'm gonna come at you with so much aggression. And if you end up taking me down, oh well, I'll submit you off my back. Which is what he was got him successful when he went for the championship and won that back in the day. But I just think Michael Kies is not talented enough to initiate the proper game plan against Anthony Pettis. Yeah, I don't think Kiesa has the wrestling clinch ability or striking acumen to close the distance on a guy like anthony pettis and to initiate a takedown for ground bound. that's the bottom line so that sounds really rude but that's that's my take on that fight of how that went down okay um i was very surprised by my uh not very surprised but i was surprised that mike perry beat paul felder i think paul felder's injuries that was a great fight yeah i think paul felder's injuries played a big role yeah big time he stopped throwing his right hand yep for like two rounds three rounds uh, I, th- I think I asked you this rounds. earlier. Was it the arm or the hand? Pretty sure it was the hand. Just the hand. Pretty okay. Pretty sure it was the hand. But two rounds. Actually, we can just look it up right now. But for two rounds, he didn't throw his right hand. Yeah, so no. That's, just pretty much all jabs. Yeah. Yeah. Broken arm, maybe. Because that pops up as the first thing. Uh, let's see. Yep. He breaks his arm. Oh, yeah. Not a hand. He broke his arm. But what killed me, though, and I think uh, – Joe Rogan and that other announcer were kind of saying, like, oh, there he goes, elbow again with the right arm, and how is he doing this? Oh, Dominic Cruz was saying that, yeah. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, Paul Felder's a, a savage. He's a savage. Yeah. But um, Mike Perry, he's a fun dude. I think <laughs> he's he's a fucking, he's a knucklehead. He's, he's cool. He's a fun guy to root for. But I would love to see him versus Darren Till. I think Darren Till would fuck him up. But mm. it would be fun to see him get to that point. Yeah. Um, this one was another embarrassing thing because on my Twitter account. So, by the way, I live tweet some the pay-per-view fights when I get a chance to watch them. And you should follow me on Twitter at FightMattMMA. And I usually just tweet my... Usually what I say with Mikey. So, if you listen to the last episode, it's usually just stuff like that. My thoughts on it. Like, oh, he's doing a great job. You know, coming... You know, circling out on his strikes instead of going straight in and out. Like, I'll just say stuff like that. But I was uh, hyping up this fight, being like, oh, it's going to be fireworks. Derek Lewis is going to try to take him down, I bet. Um, and ground and pound, and Ngannou is probably just going to knock him out. That fight was, I think, number one or number two for the lowest strikes ever thrown in a heavyweight fight. I think it was, like, the worst fight Yeah, in general. Um, Francis Ngannou just did not engage, and Derek Lewis didn't really engage either. Now, Derek Lewis is is known for having a bad back. So I think that played a huge part into him not wanting to go all out. Yeah. Um, Well, I think he even said to his corner, like, yeah, I'm feeling pain in my back. And they were like, ah, you know what, man, just, just fuck it. (laughs) You know, you just got to get over it and just get in there. And yeah, he was complaining about his back. And I think the issue with um, Nagano, like, wasn't it, 
because he just like his cardio is just shit. I thought it was that. I thought and it was, he was just kind of like waiting until maybe like the last round to really go out loud. That's what I was tweeting. I okay. was like, all right, Naganu's probably just because he learned from the Stipe fight when he fought Stipe last. Right. He got ragdolled and was exhausted and couldn't do anything. I was like, he's just got he's just saving his gas for the end. And then nothing happened. And then it came out afterwards. He had a statement where he was like, it's my fault. I performed that way because it was my choice. I need to work on it. And it was funny because, and not really funny, but it was of note that a lot of people were saying, by say a lot of people, I mean like people in MMA, they were saying how he needs to see a sports psychologist. If you are if you get put into the Comian event and you can't throw more than five, six punches over three rounds, yeah, that's you have a mental block. Robin Black was tweeting about this and, and he was tweeting and he made a good comment about it, about how like there's something mentally going on. It wasn't physical. He's in great shape. He was 10 pounds, oh, he weighed yeah. 10 pounds less. His cardio was probably there because he lost 10 pounds. Like the dude's probably in the best shape of his entire career, if not his life. But there was a mental block and I, we nobody knows what it is, but there's something mental that messed him up mm. and nobody knows. But that was that was an embarrassing fight. That yeah. was that was an embarrassing fight. But I thought for the entire first round, I thought Derek was afraid to get caught, understandably, and I thought Francis was saving his gassing to unload. Yeah. And then the second round came, and then I was like, "All right, it's taking a little bit longer." But I was like, "You know what? That's I don't blame Derek for being cautious. I would be the same way against a guy like Francis, and I don't blame Francis for being cautious because he knows what happens if he screws up, like the last fight." And then the third round came, and then I was like, all right, now is the time for action. <laughs> and no action Nothing, happened. No. I mean, when you got Herb Dean telling you guys, like, guys, listen, yeah. <laughs> you need to do your job. <laughs> yeah. <he's, laughs> like, don't make me have to, like... Take points off of you guys. Exactly. For this. Um, yeah, the commentary from uh, Joe Rogan and Dominic Cruz were hilarious. That was, can I be honest, the commentary was probably the best thing about that entire fight. The entire time, just listening to Joe. <laughs> I think he literally was like, oh, this has got to be got to be maybe one of the uh, the worst fights. No, it is the worst fight <laughs> I've ever witnessed, like in the UFC. Yeah. Terrible. 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 Um, but thankfully, it made up for it with the Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier fight. Now, I didn't want to see either lose. I yeah. like I like both. Stipe's yeah. an awesome dude. Yeah, DC is an awesome dude, but it is cool that DC won. What did now? What did you think about the Brock Lesnar of that bullshit moment at the end? So you thought it was bullshit. You know, I have to say, there's a lot of stuff going around the internet. Okay, that I've looked into. You know, a lot of people are thinking that the UFC is starting to turn into the WWE, and to be honest, that's kind of the vibe I felt. In what way? And I have a theory of this. Well, what do you mean? Okay, so because of bullshit like this, right? So first off, a lot of people were thinking maybe this was planned. The whole uh, engaging thing okay. at the end. But it, I could be wrong, and maybe it's just there's something messed up with his ear. It looked like Brock Lesnar had an earpiece in his in his right ear. At If you look at some photos, it looked like he had like a, a peach-colored earpiece in his right ear. As if maybe somebody from somewhere was telling him what to say or whatever. So, yeah, But Brock does WWE. He doesn't need that. He could improv. 
but there you go. It's WWE, but they also do. Uh, the thing with the WWE though is, although some of it's improv, they still have to practice their lines. They still have days where it's like when you rehearse, like they have rehearsals, not sure. just for the moves, but about the drama itself in WWE. True, but here's the one thing: you couldn't have planned that because. I mean, he was well, just conveniently was, right there. Well, no, no, no. So I was going to say, because what if DC lost? Unless you're implying Brock would have done that with whoever won. I think Brock would have. Yeah, that, that's kind of my yeah my thing. And my whole thing, too, it's like, why does Brock Lesnar get a shot at this? Because he's Brock Lesnar? Yes. But and, He's the and highest he, pay-per-view heavyweight of all time. Which is insane to me. Because, well, let, because all right, well, let's it's talk. Because he's WWE. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, so CM CM Punk and look how that went, right? Well, he but he uh, he drove numbers for that pay per view. Well, he did. Well, he did. actually, did he? I uh, mean, not the second one. The second one, I don't think he did. But let's think about his technique, right? Who's CM it's Punk or Brock? Brock. So I'm gonna charge at my opponent. Yep. Grab his legs, throw him down, mount him, and start hammer fisting the shit out of him until the guy either taps or the ref stops the fight. And I might stop if I can control my rage. That is a effective. It is effective game plan that got him to be heavyweight champion, which is bullshit. <laughs> because if you had a guy the size. Because of let me tell you something. Then what happened with Kane Velasquez? What about what about with Kane when they fought? And he was like, "All right, well." You're not going to do this shit with me, so... Well, Kane's a freak, too. Kane's a freak in nature, though. Right. I mean... So, you, wait, 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 wait. You don't, you don't like Brock style, do you? You know what it is? <laughs> okay, it's effective. You do it... it it's like Ronda Rousey. Oh, she's going to go for the arm bar. It's like, we get it. You know, I, I guess it works. You know, that's your thing. That's what you're famous for. But I feel like that's all the dude really trained for was... Be, I mean, I get it. You're a wrestler take down the guy pin him whatever but like sweep the leg get on top well no no fist. you're right like that was his technique well, I mean, right. and, and, how much in like training did he really do his first round like his his you know the oh, first he time he was with the ufc he didn't do much at first that's why frank Mir tapped him out so quickly because he didn't really do anything jujitsu wise yeah so like i also don't think he's really putting on a gi and doing fucking jujitsu that much but the thing with Brock Lesnar and with heavyweights in general is that you can get away with that at heavyweight. Right. You can get away with just being a blitzing bull. The thing, though, is that you saw him face Alistar Overeem, and you saw him face a guy who's a, who's a seasoned heavyweight fighter, and Alistar Overeem picked him apart. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Brock Lesnar has, what is it called, uh, diverticulitis, and he had to have, like, half of his intestines removed, mm. and he kept getting kicked there by fucking... Alistar Overeem, who was probably on the juice, probably on some Mexican water, and that shit fucking, that was terrifying, right? But, like, no, Brock Lesnar can't take a punch. I That's that's fact. We've seen it happen time and time again. He gets hit in the face, and he immediately goes yes. nuts with his defense. He, yep. can't get to, he can't take a punch. But Brock Lesnar is also the guy who, after, I forget which win, pretty sure we saw it together, I think. He drooled out his mouthpiece and was like punching the camera. And then in the post fight, uh, like in the octagon, when they were interviewing him, the post fight interview, they're like, So, how do you feel? And he was like, Nothing feels better than beating the shit out of this 
out of this guy. Like he was like, hell, I might go home and mount my wife yeah. tonight. <laughs> He's well. First, I think he was like, well, first I think I'm gonna have a a Budweiser or something because some other company's too cheap to pay for me or something. All like right, because the UFC and was sponsored by a different... A different beer. And he's like, well, I think I'm going to have this because they're too cheap to <laughs> whatever. And then he's like, and then I think I'm going to go home and mount my wife. <laughs> I felt bad for his wife. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. We're, we're all like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... But like, but that's the WWE of him. Yeah. Or maybe it's that's just how he is. But like, he plays that heel so well. Yeah, but see, that's what I mean. Is it? This is where the controversy comes. So, so, is it an act, or is that really how he is? And is it legitimate? Like I said, you should really look at that photo of the right side of him uh, when it's him and DC in there together, because it looks like he has. An, and I'm thinking to myself, why would he have an earpiece? The only time you have an earpiece in is if you need to talk to the broadcasting uh, truck. The truck outside that's broadcasting is talking to you to give you like cues and stuff like that for the most part. But I don't. So my opinion is a that was not scripted, based off of what DC said. But you, but you just. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that right there though, that means it was already premeditated. Like either if, way, no matter who well, won, no, no, he no, was going to go in there. If there was a, 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 if that's if there was a broadcast truck that was wired to him. Yeah, but there was no need. Brock showed up in the middle of the night. Popped up next to Dana, which is like, I'm going to sit here. Dana was like, all right. And Brock was like, we should talk soon. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Good seeing you. And then I guess D. So DC and Brock used to wrestle back in college. So Really? Yes. Because oh, so, they that. asked DC in the, in the post-fight conference. They were like, okay. what was that shit with Brock? He was like, uh, so for those who don't know, Brock and I have some history. He was like, I used to wrestle with him in college. He was like, never really thought much of him then. There was really not much to talk about back then. He was like, but you guys know I'm a big wrestling fan. He's like, so I see Brock. He was like, I don't really care for the guy. And then he was like, uh, I guess he didn't know Brock was there until like when he was fighting, I guess. Or when he was walking out to the fight and he was like, wait, Brock Lesnar's here? He said, what the fuck is Brock Lesnar doing here? And then he said, uh, I guess he said his coaching staff, nobody told him Brock was there he had to find out for himself. And I guess that he said that nobody would tell him that because they didn't want to throw off his concentration before a fight. Huh? So he said, when I won the belt, he was like, I knew what I'm doing. He was like, I want to get paid. I'm going to fight Brock Lesnar. So he was like, yeah, did I call him in for exactly that? And I didn't call him in there to get shoved, but I called him in there because I want to set up a fight. Cause I want to get paid. So DC was saying that Brock didn't get interviewed after that. So interesting. Nobody knows what Brock said, but Brock. See, you don't. Nobody knows anything about Brock. I like, like the Rock, for example. Like, like Dwayne Johnson. We kind of know Dwayne Johnson outside of being the Rock from wrestling. You right. know what I mean? Even when he was the Rock and right. just beginning to become Dwayne Johnson, the 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 movie star, we all still knew kind of who the Rock was as a character. Mm-hmm. But the Rock as a character was a bit more aggressive and a bit more, uh, I guess, intimidating. Compared right. to Dwayne Johnson, who's the the dad who dresses up in a Pikachu costume, like yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's a very different vibe. You don't see the you don't see Brock Lesnar in a Pikachu costume for his kids, <laughs> and then you see him in the WWE like spitting and drooling and like throwing people through tables. Like it's it's you see Brock Lesnar in the WWE doing that, and then you see Brock Lesnar in the UFC doing that, and that's all you see of Brock. Mm. Yes, we know he's a farm in like Minnesota or Canada or something, and that's it. But like besides that, he's a very secluded guy. 
Yeah. But he's, I, always, he's always been like this meathead. So let's say the fight does happen, right? First off, huge he's height huge. disadvantage <laughs> for DC. Huge. He is huge. When they were standing next to each other, I just thought, oh, God, no. Don't do this fight, DC. Don't do this fight. Just man. the shove he gave DC. And DC went flying like seven feet. I, DC's like half his height. Yeah. DC's like up to maybe his chest. Now, who do you think would win that fight? Fucking Brock Lesnar. Uh, so Steep. So Daniel Cormier showed a showed an impressive ability against Stipe, which was the close range boxing, the the dirty boxing. Mm-hmm. Like we all know he has it, but Daniel Cormier does this weird left to right sway when he throws his attacks coming in. So he doesn't go in a straight line throwing down the pipe. He throws maybe one down the pipe, and then he swings outside with a hook, and he basically goes left to right with his upper body. So he keeps it hard to counter, um, unless you're good with high kicks, and then when he swings to one side, you can kick him on the head, Mm -hmm. which John Jones did. But it's he has this weird ability, and Stipe was taller than DC. You see this ability that he has to be able to get in. He did it against John Jones, too. He gets into the clinching range very Mm -hmm. easily. And then from there, it's a matter of, does he want to box you or does he want to take you down? Now, with Stipe, I thought he was going to go straight for takedowns, but he never did. He was going for the single collar tie, mm-hmm. and he was just trying to pull him down into his punches, which is a DC move, because guys are so much taller than him, so he right. has to pull them down to his punches. I don't think that strength would work against a guy like Brock. I think Brock is too physically strong. I think, I think if that fight happens, I think you see them rushing to the middle, and then you see DC maybe trying to pop a few strikes to just t- try to set up the distance. And then I think you see Brock just blitz. I think Brock knows that he has the size advantage. Does he have the wrestling advantage? Ah, who knows? I mean, you know, they're both incredible physical specimens for wrestling. But you'd have to say the bigger person would be a better wrestler in that case. So I would say Brock takes him down and then just grabs and pounds him. Um, that's what I would say. But... I don't know. I also thought DC was going to wrestle Stipe and DC fucking knocks him out. <laughs> so I have no idea. Hmm. What, what would you say? I'm going to say DC. Why? But that's because of the point you brought up, though. It's because he does get in and he can easily just try to, you know, I don't think he would take him down, but I think he'd be able to, like, throw some knees in, some elbows, something. And like you said about Brock, you know, like he can't take shots to the face or the head, No, you know? So I feel like if he was able to get in close and just start wailing on him, who knows? Who knows? It's a good point. You know, look what he did. Stipe. Yeah. And people are sleeping on Stipe, like, or if they're not sleeping, they totally understand the level of championship caliber fighting that he has like stipe is a incredible heavyweight champion i think he's right up there with king velasquez as mm-hmm. as being the top heavyweights um i think maybe ever so it's it's hard it's hard it's hard because brock is the anomaly because he's not a traditional martial artist right he's a traditional martial artist in the sense that he wrestled which is a martial art but not in the way of mixed martial arts where you studied a you studied a uh, a style you studied an art and then you applied it with another art like mm-hmm. you see everybody do it like even wonder boy thompson he's a karate guy but he still knows other other arts 
I don't think Brock knows other arts besides wrestling and then Smash. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I know he like knows enough to defend and fight in on the ground in jujitsu now because he got submitted by Frank Mir, so I yeah. know enough about that. I actually think he has a submission win. Hang on, I want to see this now. I'm pretty sure Brock Lesnar has a submission win. Uh, let's see here. Okay, Brock Lesnar. Oh boy. Um, uh, he is 40 years old. He fights out of Regina, Saskatchewan. He's originally from Webster, South Dakota. He is 6'3", 265 pounds, with an 81-inch reach advantage and 44-inch leg reach. My God. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, he got submission of the night over Shane Carwin. Okay. Round two. But, I mean, here's the thing, and not to insult anybody who's a bigger person listening to this, but I feel like big people have it easier in when they get a hold of somebody in jiu-jitsu. It's like, when you have, like, sure the weight to crank, like, I don't have weight to crank. I have to get technique and speed on you, and then yeah. if I don't, then you're going to outpower me. So, I feel like any meathead can can guillotine choke or twist, a, twist an arm out of position and <laughs> enough with enough force applied. Yeah. I think you can hammer your way through poor, poor technique. Um, so I wouldn't by any means say that he's a jujitsu practitioner, you know? But, um, yeah. Okay, you say DC, I say Brock. As always, we usually choose opposites. So okay. that's that's good. So that's not bad. That's not bad. But, um, all right, cool. You know what? It's getting a little late, I just realized. Anything you want to you wanna say? You want to wrap anything up? Um, I can't wait to get home, take a shower, <laughs> and do some laundry. Are you, wait, actually, actually, quick question. Were you sore after last week? Like, were you hurting at all? Um, my legs a little bit, only because I wasn't used to doing the squats. Okay. I mean, but what helped, I mean, I want to say maybe two, three days later, I mean, the pain was just gone because I was keeping up with the stretching that you, okay. the, the techniques cool. you were showing me. Cool. So... I wonder now, because we did a little bit more stuff today, I wonder now if you're going to be sore tomorrow or the day after. Maybe. But, I mean, after, you know, you using your toys on me, your, your <laughs> gimp dungeon toys, I mean, I'm sure I'm, I won't be as bad, hopefully. Oh. But, I again, I am still going to keep up with the stretching and all that, so. <laughs> I have one more toy I haven't used on you. Oh, shit. Because I need to charge the batteries. <laughs> I believe you too. Oh, what do. does it do? What, what do. is this? Oh, I'll use it when you need it. But it's it's the most powerful thing I have in my arsenal. Oh, daddy! All <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. Even I don't use it that often because I don't need to. It's just that intense. But I usually do it for long sessions when I'm in bed. It's like no, I'm serious because I I, I just because I like. What are we talking about? Yeah. We'll talk about it in another episode. Have a good night, everybody. Peace. <laughs> Peace.